Hello and welcome to this PSG Think Big series podcast. In this program, Alicia Sekum speaks to Ndumi Hadebe on the future of black tax in a modern South Africa. Hello and welcome to the Think Big series brought to you by PSG with me, Alicia Sekum. Now, There's no escaping South Africa's complicated and difficult past. We've seen how structural discrimination blocked or hindered access to quality education, jobs, and ultimately quality of life for many Black South Africans. But we've also seen how much many parents, families, and even communities sacrifice to give their children the best chance at getting a decent education and a start at life. It's a phenomenon that continues today under the term Black tax. The expectation that those who've achieved financial success will in turn provide for their extended families and communities. And while the positive is the spirit of Ubuntu, right, that benefits and uplifts, it also inadvertently creates a cycle of financial responsibility and financial strain that it places on individuals can be significant, limiting self-preservation and further to that, the building of generational wealth. So this is a very emotive topic we're tackling today. The preface being black tax is linked to complicated emotions and must be approached delicately because there are lots of opinions arguments for, arguments against, the question burden or Ubuntu being raised as well. And I'm going to try best I can to strip the emotion out so we get stuck into how to actually manage this reality effectively. A reality for a large part of the South African population, there seems to be no escaping. That, in all honesty, deserves its own course when it comes to financial literacy, personal finance, and financial management for that matter. Ndumi Hadebe, like I say, it's a reality. So as per the title of your book, we're going to take control and talk Handling Black Tax Like a Pro. Thanks so much for being with us today. And I'm going to launch straight into it, right? Post-94, close enough to three decades later, position it for us in the current South Africa. It's relevance, the role it still plays, and why we're still using the term black tax, where someone said to me just the other day, extending financial support to extended family can cut across races. Thank you. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you for the invitation and for going into this uh, conversation so um, delicately. Uh, I have great appreciation for that because it is multi-layered and it is somewhat, uh, uh, um, that's what makes it complex. And why are we still calling it black tax three decades later into democracy? Perhaps maybe that the, the, the reality is that actually the transformation financially did not happen as fast as it thought it would. So. The, a big part of our society is still facing this responsibility. And the reason why it's called a tax is because it feels compulsory for people. It, they inherited, their uncles did it, their mothers and fathers did it, and, and therefore they feel that they have to do it. Certainly some people feel compelled and are compelled to do it actually, right? So that's why it becomes, um, uh, um, uh, I would say, at a tax. And in terms of it being black, it's not necessarily limited to only black and brown people. It just is called that because that's why we, because most people that pay black tax are inherently black by virtue of, of what we experienced prior to, 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 to democracy. And in as far as why are we here? 
how 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 are we how are we to move forward with calling it black tax while we feel good about it i would like to believe that that's what um we are aiming for that in the in us calling it black tax it's not because we are shaming it it's not because we are um against it it is us simply recognizing it recognizing that this is a responsibility that we have as this generation that has access to money and access to opportunities and we want to do it with love and compassion and of course, you know, number of people impacted and access to resources are one thing, but there's also scope of the mandate to consider that extends beyond the traditional family parameters because of the legacy of structural discrimination and a broader cultural and community obligation adding to the prevalence amongst Black South Africans in particular. Absolutely. So, um, in fact, you touched in your introduction on Ubuntu how mm. you are because I am, I am because you are. And that reality um, hits us even when we, our immediate families have, have actually achieved some sense of financial freedom. It means that we have to extend it to our neighbors, extend it to people that we don't even know. Um, whether we do that as, as corporate entities or businesses or as individuals, the responsibility remains that we are not part of the problem. We didn't cause the issue that we are in but we have to take the responsibility in providing a solution, navigating how we move forward in the direction of positivity, um, healing financial situations for South Africans. So do we call it what you will, black tax sandwich generation, we're looking at the financial burden borne by people who've achieved a level of success and who provide support to less financially secure fa family members, right? What are some mm. of the normalized behaviors, notions, and social constructs that surround it? So the biggest normalization that I've come, I came across when I was researching the book was getting into debt to fund um black tax request family responsibility um a, a, a request that could have waited so the issue there is it could have waited so that leads to the second point we are going upstream not wanting to wait not wanting to save not wanting to plan and project in terms of what is it that we need what is it that we want um and another behavior that is there is the expectation that let's I will just simply expect from you as my child or as my big sister without engaging you about your financial situation. So families do not talk about black tax. What we do instead is that we complain about it on social media, we become keyboard warriors, um, we, we, we um, talk about it at dinners with our friends and our colleagues, but we do not afford our families the right of reply. And I feel this is the biggest shortfall that we are making. With significant impact, right? Because you highlight, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the price tag this comes at from a monetary uh, perspective, mm. compromising the building of wealth via savings and investments. But that aside, mm. it comes with a mental and emotional price tag as well. And I guess I'm trying to get to the real cost here, the toll it's taking, and whether the weight of black tax is being fully recognized, mm. especially in the current economic climate. It is not being fully recognized because we are not talking about it. So we are not in a position to air our feelings um, and our thoughts about it. We, we certainly do not create the situations where we can actually air our feelings and thoughts about it. Um, but secondly, it is this um, 
we, if I say we, I mean us people that are earners and payers of earners of money and payers of black tax, we to a certain degree enjoy a tiny little bit of helping, just being able to, it feels good to help. So we continue doing it and we keep ourselves stuck in the washing machine of black tax by just not being able to say, little sis, I'd love to help you with one, two, three, one, two, three um, except uh, perhaps not today, perhaps not this month. So in us not doing that, what that does is that it, it makes this a culture. It, it, ju it just makes it a thing. When you, when you then say, I have a newfound boundary, there's just, <laughs> there's a double take that happens. It's like, who does she think she is, you know? And that's when exactly it, because this is the point you, you make quite loudly in your book and you're quite emphatic mm. about them to me. You argue that those struggling with this, and I hesitate, to, you know, using the word burden, but struggling yeah. with this burden is more as a result of not being able to set boundaries. So spell it out yes. for us, because one would think it's more about money and affordability. So when you say black tax is about boundaries, what do you? mean well if it was only about money it would mean that the executives sitting at a corner office in Sentin or in Wonderford Cape Town would not be catching feelings or thoughts about black tax so the fact that they are earning 150 250k or whatever the case may be a month or however long they share the same feelings and sentiments with the person that's earning 10k that to me tell that tells me that the common factor is lack of boundaries. Both parties, even though they, are, they hold these extreme polarities, they have thoughts, they have feelings that they hold very strongly about black tax, yet they're not communicating those with their loved ones. And when we're not communicating our wants and needs and our thoughts and feelings in any situation, we are compromising the boundary. Yeah, I hear you, but... Um... This almost seems a case of easier said than done. So let's explore some of the practicalities. I mean, how do you establish those boundaries? One, once you've already created the expectation. And two, mm -hmm. does that mean needing to warrant why the expenditure you as the well-off family member are incurring is justified relative mm -hmm. to the broader needs? So the starting point is for an individual in question to actually acknowledge to themselves that they need to do something about their situation. If there's something to be done, then acknowledgement is necessary. So that's a starting point. Acknowledging and then unjudge the self for realizing that, oops, like as it was in my case, I'm 40. I've been working since I was 18. I've got whoop, to show for it. And whose fault is that? It was mine. So what I needed was to simply call a family meeting out of drama, away from drama, because I think people want to do this in reaction to a black text request. I advise strongly to do it when nothing has happened, when nothing is about to happen. You simply look into the situation and you say, <clears throat> I've made some irresponsible decisions, irresponsible decisions, and I must take accountability going forward. You call this meeting, if the thought is on Wednesday, that Friday, Saturday, the meeting needs to happen. And you sit the family down, Mommy, Daddy, I have been looking into my finances and I noticed that I have made some irresponsible choices. I am in debt. I don't have savings. I don't have sufficient uh, investments. You list the situation as it is. And I feel that the situation that I'm in, it makes me a liability to me and to you. 
<laughs> because that's the truth. Because if I'm, if I'm in these things, I'm unable to be of any help to anybody. So we started there by taking complete, complete accountability and not showing up in an accusatory tone where it's like, you know, you guys have been expecting these things to me, from me and look at, look, look at me now. I'm, I'm 40 and I've got nothing to show for it. Uh, nobody pointed a gun at you. You yeah. were, you were party to, you, you, to, to this, right? So to a certain degree, we gotta take accountability. And then we state, going forward, I feel it is important that I channel X amount of money towards debt, X amount towards um, uh, savings. And, and, and you, you don't ask for permission because when you ask for permission, you are disempowering the self. You simply communicate from place of feeling. Yeah, this has sparked a question for me. But before I get yeah. to that, you talk about transparency. How transparent is transparent in this building of greater understanding? I mean, is it open books across the board in terms of earnings and, and expenditure? How do you manage that? Well, it depends what's necessary. So when I was going through my process of writing the book, I had to be transparent. Guys, now I'm an author, I'm a struggling artist, whatever the label is, right? So my income is compromised. Whether I show the receipts or not, it's entirely up to the individual. But the reality remains here that transparency, transparency heals the situation. Because half the time, Alicia, we look, we look like million dollar. You know what I mean? We look like we can afford more black tax. We look like what we're contributing is actually little based on the cars we drive, where we live, and the clothes we wear and so on. Sometimes we need to afford our love, loved ones a little bit of insight into the reality of our situation. That when I'm in Joburg, when I'm in Cape Town, when I'm breathing in, it's a hundred rand. Breathing out, it's another hundred rand. It's just life is expensive. And our parents, they don't quite grasp that. And transparency helps them navigate the level of understanding. Jimmy, look, I don't think we need to lay out the perils of stretching one's finances further than one should, right? But, and this is a very big but here, how in a society as unequal as we are with very immediate challenges like unemployment at mm. historical highs, persistently high inflation impacting the cost of living and bringing with it immediate expenses, does one begin to justify longer-term savings when they're very short-term needs? And I stress the word needs here, not mm. wants, that need to be fulfilled. Um, that is always that difficult question to answer. And I'll take it back to, 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 this, to your question where you said, um, you know, you highlighted the, the depth of the, the, the financial situation right now, right? That is precisely why we should be having more agency around this, around, around doing things differently. So um, starting with being clear that if I am Dumi and I deplete my savings, in due course, I will have literally nothing to pour into myself or to anybody else. I feel that there's a conversation that we are also not having as families because we are um, committed to the, because it feels better to not address the issue, you know? So it feels better, it feels quicker and easier to just not address the core issue. But coming back to how we do that in terms of needs versus wants and you know short term versus long term. My suggestion is that 
families sit down and look at a long-term plan. They look at it, all of them. So it's not the, the person that does the paying that is saying, I'm imposing this. Let's mm. sit down, let's have a discussion. What can we actually cut down considering the financial situation right now, considering the economic situation right now? What is a need truly? Is DSTV necessary? Is buying at certain supermarkets necessary? Can we cut this? Can we cut? Because all the, the, the stents add up, right? So that's the first conversation. But the second conversation is for people to realize that um, long-term, if there is nothing to draw from, then there is absolutely nothing. So we may as well start cutting down on these needs of ours, right? Some people think meat is a need. Perhaps not. Maybe we can cut down something cheaper, maybe fish or chicken, right? So it's the downgrading of life to first suit the financial or the economic situation that we are facing as a country. Absolutely. So it points to a drawing up of guidelines that will yes. inform what you will or won't allow. But that negotiating spectrum could be quite vast if you don't get it right. And sure. so you then point to this more rigid or clinical working on and building off financial planning models uh, being needed mm -hmm. here, right? And it's so mm -hmm. critical that you highlight this in Dumi because a viewer actually wrote in asking, is it necessary to give money? Is providing health insurance, medical aid, and setting up an investment account not more Beneficials and uh, beneficial, and I guess that speaks to you know learning to manage finances in a way that helps support families without ignoring mm. one's own financial needs and goals. I love that question so much because uh, it brings me to a point of your your previous question of needs and wants, but also outlook. Instead of gifting each other with things that are frivolous that might actually just disappear after the birthday, what if we gifted each other with investments um, with uh, a, a, a membership uh, for, a, for exercise, for gym or whatever, right? So this is why it's necessary for us as families to relook our lifestyles. We relook how we spend our weekends, we relook how we spend our days. And that basically speaks to how we spend our time, our money, our energy. Because if we are honestly and, sincere, and sincerely saying we are struggling financially, then it's a luxury we cannot afford, absolutely, as in figuratively and financially, to be spending weekends doing nothing. Absolutely. You know, and, and that when it comes to the, the individual, right, and the mm. uh, parameters that you do as an individual have in your control, what's your take broader than that, Ndumi, on how we start mm. fostering an environment supportive of accumulating wealth? Because financial inclusion is far from where it needs to be, right? The mm. financial industry itself still has massive work to do, especially where one of the hurdles is cost to accessing capital, especially for those by no choice of or decision of their own who don't have collateral backing them up. I, I want to take it back to families because I do believe that family structures are what build a healthier society. So if we define for ourselves individually as, you know, as families that we want this financial legacy, we want to have, we don't want our kids to inherit um, uh, uh, debt from us, we don't want to inherit us sitting here as their black text, then we ought to do this differently. And starting with defining how that looks like, because once it becomes crystal clear what it is that we want, 
it, it, it will inform everything else that we do. Because right now, I feel that our goals, the things that we say we want, are not quite matching with our behavior. I see the environment. I, I recognize that there are these challenges. And I recognize that even with the, within these challenges, it still requires us to say, no, I will do this differently. And in my doing it differently as a family, then this is how we are going to move forward deliberately. So the issue is that we are not intentional enough. And yeah. that sounds accusatory, and, but I'm myself included, you know, um, that we, we truly would be spending our time, our money, our energy differently if our legacies or the things that we want out there, uh, uh, you know, in the future were crystal clear. So the issue is that it's not. Bottom line, Ndumi, is it realistic to say we can turn this around, build wealth while still supporting extended families and communities on very limited disposable income and looking at how far it has to stretch? Or mm. is this year to stay until leaders adequately start solving for the inequities and start creating opportunities to close the wealth gap? So I kind of gave up on those guys. So I, I will not be uh, commenting on that because I think waiting for that just has proven uh, not to be helpful. But um, I would say coming back to, to individuals um, in, in, in terms of just recognizing that this may still be here for a long time. Hmm. And that is precisely why we have to do it differently. Because if we do it, with debt, if we do it in a way that is costly to us, to it's costly to our families, it means we have less capacity to help other people. That's my concern. That if we don't feel that things are moving fast enough, are not moving fast enough in terms of the um, the government or, or or whatever else, whoever else is responsible, then it means we have to take the responsibility of moving things forward. But we cannot do it without having resources. So we have to be strategic and deliberate and be committed to delayed gratification to be able to do this in a way that is, is it, has, it, it has a process, but also it is futuristic. I do believe that it is possible. I have met people that, are, that have jobs that are working and they say, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that feels like because mm -hmm. their parents behaved differently. Their parents delayed gratification under very, very um, uh, uh, compromising circumstances. They did it. Yeah. And look, ultimately, while systemic change is what's necessary to address the mm. historical and social factors that have created this burden in the first place, there are in the interim tools that can be used to empower, um, you know, through, like you say, clear communication and strategic planning so that giving back doesn't come at the total expense of saving mm. investing. And further to that, the building of generational wealth. Ndumi, thanks so much for your time today. Ndumi Hadebe is author of Handle Black Hacks like a pro. Once again, thanks so much for sharing your perspectives with us today. To our audience, thank you for watching. And remember, the series is free, it's shareable, it's accessible to anyone, whether you're a PSG client or not. But for now, until next time, it's bye from me.